You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And this is Deacon Paul Trinan, and I'm on the tips of my toes for these next two guys. Well, we have to step up our game a little bit, Deacon. Why is that? Because Brad Gray hosts, and he's probably better at it than I am. Um, <laughs> he's different at it than you are. But there you go. There you go. He's never been able to, to be at the opulent studios here at the Abbey of the Hills. Oh. We've got uh, all the hot water, hot coffee, cold water, and bread, and... We're just blessed to be here, and we're excited about our next two guests. Absolutely. Brad Gray and Nathan Sather are with us. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Thanks Good morning. for having Thank us on. Thanks yeah. for coming in today. How's it going, Brad? Great. I, I haven't been at the Opulent Studio there, but I have been at the Abbey <laughs> of the Hills, and it is glorious. I love it there. Yeah. Oh, you have? Just on a retreat, we had our Originate Family Life Directors meeting there, and uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a beautiful. beautiful location, and... I like to give it a plug whenever I can. Uh, well yeah, we, appreci- we appreciate that, you guys. So you're here to talk about men mm-hmm. getting active. Do I need to leave? Do I need to step out of the room for a minute? <laughs> men getting active? No, because you, you're probably going to point the <laughs> finger at us. But calling men to be active in their faith. Give us a little description of, of, of what that means and why you're here today. Well, I guess for me, um, I've been in military ministry at different times in my life for about seven or eight years or so. I did uh, youth ministry for about two and a half years and was raised by a a wonderful Catholic mother and didn't really know my faith very well growing up. And so I found it much later, and that's what got me into into ministry. And in my experience, um, when a man is uh, active in his own faith, his wife and his children, his whole family is likely to be more active in his faith a very good friend of mine is a Southern Baptist pastor, and uh, his group did some research into this, I think it was like the 2012 sort of time frame, mm-hmm. and research that they put together was if a child is the first person to convert in a family, the chances that the entire rest of the family, so mom, dad, and all the rest of the siblings will become Christian as well, was about 3%. If the wow. mom was the first person to convert that number jumped up to about 17 or so percent. You want to guess what that number was if dad was the first person in the family to convert? I know it's significant. I'll guess guess about 73%. Wow. Uh, I was going to guess 50%. Low low 90s. If I remember, I was like (gasps) 92, 93%. And so I learned this when I was in youth ministry and seeing all the dollars that we sent to, to youth ministry it was like, well, wait a minute, you know, what are we doing for men's ministry? Yeah. And, and yeah. that was the first moment that, you know, an active men's ministry or participating in trying to get more, men more active in their faith was the first time I really had that calling in my heart, and it certainly hasn't left since then. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree. I, um, you know, I work in the Marriage and Family Life Office for the Diocese of Fargo, and it's, it's staggering to look at the statistics of, you know, how, um, what, at what a disadvantage children are when their fathers are not involved in their lives, you know, from a variety of realms, the, the emotional, the psychological, the intellectual, the moral, um, the, the influence of a father in the family is something that just simply can't be replaced. And I mean, it, we understand that God has created a certain order in, in the world and that, that, that 
the role of the man is not one of domination, but it is there is a role of leadership mm-hmm. that that um, men are called to step into. And often we're finding in our, our world right now, that's just not happening. And oftentimes women are, are stepping in and they're filling in admirably, but it's not, it's not like you just replace the one with the other. It, there, right. There's something that's, that's not there when a man's not doing his job. And especially, not just leadership, could I, could I qualify that and say yep. servant yeah, leadership? Absolutely, yep. Servant leadership. Right. Yeah. I, it's, I, think, I think both spouses, any woman would desire that. My husband yes. would be more of a servant mm-hmm. in his leadership. Well, and how do you think we got here? <laughs> well, I mean, a large, to a large degree, it's been the abdication of the role of, of that servant leadership. You know, this, and you were talking about this, Deacon Paul, that, that that's exactly what Jesus said, right? When the apostles were fighting about who's the greatest among them, mm. and he talks about how if you want to be great, you must be a servant of all. And, and John Paul's favorite title uh, for the papacy was the servant of the servants of God, that that. We have such a warped understanding of leadership in our um, mm. our secular world right now, where leadership is about authority, and oftentimes that means about a domination. You know, like mm. I get I get to call the shots, I get to be in charge. It's my desire, it's my will that dominates. When a, an authentic leader is really about facilitating the good of those that they're leading, it's, it has mm. a, a certain forgetfulness of oneself for the good of the others. For the good of the others, yeah. amen. And, and, to be a little more practical on your question, Heather, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the seeds were already planted, French Revolution, the Enlightenment. We were kind of moving away from faith mm-hmm. as the most important thing in life culture anyway. And there was some good in some of those movements, but obviously it left the door open uh, to a, you know, Pandora's box opening up too. Mm-hmm. But the flashpoint that causes the fire, in my opinion, is when the Lambeth Conference, which was a conference of uh, the Anglican Church, allowed contraception to be moral in certain in certain cases in marriages. And if I remember right, that year was like 1920 1930, or 1930? Yeah. 1930. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 years later, you have the sexual revolution, right? So mm-hmm. as soon as the idea of, of manhood, of a male authority who expresses his sexuality for a God-given purpose, which is, you know, bonding and procreation of children, uh, and suddenly turns it into my physical pleasure... Well, now mm-hmm. there's ramifications for that. Mm-hmm. And, and widespread acceptance of contraception obviously leads to the widespread acceptance of birth control and eventually abortion. How can you say that abortion isn't linked to contraception? Contraception says, I refuse to have a child. Well, all abortion is is the, is the fruit of that. I refuse mm-hmm. to have a child at any cost. I will take it to the next level to make sure that I can keep my own sexual gratifications the way I want them, not the way nature and nature's God ordered them. And I really do believe, in some way, shape, or form, all men's ministries should be centered around the, the ideas of the theology of the body, because we have to know who we are as, as God's children, as, as God's male children, before we can really start to share that love with the world and live authentic manhood in our, in our life. So how is this manifesting itself now? Let's go away from that particular aspect of it to say in a more broader stroke, how is this manifesting in men's ministries right now from your guys' perspectives? Well, I think that there's men are being called, there, there are various men's ministries popping up all over the country, and this is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and they're inviting men into um, a courageous uh, journey expedition into 
living out that masculinity, that role that they have. And, you know, honestly, if we're honest as, as men, as, as human beings, the challenge in front of us is somewhat terrifying. And, and if we're being truthful, we don't have what it takes. And I think that's, that, that's something that, that takes men out of the game is that men are very oriented. There's, there is distinction by God's design in the way men are made versus the way men are, women are made. Uh-huh. And men are especially, and obviously there are generalizations here, but there is something true about the masculine character. Um, men are made especially with a, a sort of external thrust, an external drive to, to go out to conquer, to, to protect, to provide. Um, and so it's more about the doing, the accomplishing, the, the achieving of a thing, and women are more internally motivated. You know, women are more about nurturing and cultivating and loving and, you know, that sort of thing. And so I think the problem for men is, and, and this isn't exclusively men, but it's, it's a unique way that men experience it, that if the task seems too big, I'm more inclined to check out and find something easier. And so, you know, there's this, this dynamic that we see in our world today where you have just, you know, gobs of men that sit and they live into their early 30s in their parents' basement playing video <laughs> games, right? And, and it's because I, I'm convinced that it's because men were, were made to conquer. And if the world, if, if sanctity, if the, the task of protecting and providing just seems too big, well, then I'm going to enter into a realm where I can succeed. I can become really good at conquering in the virtual Amen. arena. Amen. And so, so we kind of default to a simpler way of achieving that which our hearts are, are crying out for, uh, which is to, to be victorious. You know, and I, I, so I think that all plays into it, too. And, and what Nathan was saying here a moment ago about the, the aspect of contraception being such a significant thing is, you know, John, um, Pope Paul VI, in his document Humanae Vitae, talked about the, the consequences, the effects that contraception would have. And um, he talked about how it would be a, a lessening of the, that men would be more inclined to use women um, for their own advantage. And that the reality is that we don't easily uh, lay down our lives like we're called to. You know, we don't easily, the, the natural inclination that every one of us is born with is toward ourselves. You know, and that's, so. it's, a, it's a necessary thing as babies. You know? We have to be all about how do I eat and how do I stay alive? You know, we have parents yeah. that, that cultivate that. In us. But as we grow in maturity, we have to learn to turn the gaze uh, outside from instead of looking at ourselves and, and what we need to how do I give. Uh, and that, that's just not an automatic transition that happens. And for men, especially young men, that usually does not happen unless there's a male role model, mm-hmm. especially a dad or a dad-like figure that helps lead them on that journey outward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very interesting. Well, if you're just joining us, we are talking with Brad Gray and Nathan Sather this morning, and we're talking about the men's role within the church. And it's a conversation we've had before, and um, I think it's a very interesting perspective to hear from you guys this morning. And I have... Female questions mm-hmm. on this men's ministry, but we have to take a quick break. And so we're going to have more discussion with Brad Gray and Nathan Sather on the other side of this break. And I'm going to ask my female questions. I'm going to ask my Holy Spirit questions. Oh, <laughs> Trump card. Wow. wow. <laughs> Boom. On the other side of this break, we'll Mic go drop. female Holy Spirit. Okay? <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with more just after this break.
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. How can you know for sure that your loved one is in heaven? Well, the short answer is you can't. I'm Father Chris Alar, but you can have confident hope that they are saved because no matter when or how they died, even by suicide, you can pray and make sacrifices now to still help them accept God's final offer of grace. Jesus told St. Faustina, Call upon my mercy on behalf of sinners. I desire their salvation. When you pray with faith on behalf of some sinner, I will give him the grace of conversion. Wow, if you desire heaven for someone, God desires it even more. So do your part to help them get there. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Deacon Paul Trinan. And we're broadcasting this morning from the Abbey of the Hills in northern South Dakota. We thank you for joining us and allowing us into your space, your personal space. And we're talking with Brad Gray. Nathan Sather this morning, and it's. I think we could probably do a whole hour on this topic of men's ministries, the importance of men's ministries, and how that is changing the look of what we do. But you've been holding this question. The female question. The female question. Because I know women out there are listening. They're home with their children, and they're running around screaming and yelling, and every woman is like, I wish my husband was more active in the church. I wish I could get him to fill in the blank. So I want to ask Brad and Nathan, what role can women play to support their husbands? What can we do to bring back the masculinity? I feel like sometimes we take parts of that away from men. Can we dive into that a little bit? Uh, Sure. Um, The simple answer, I think, is pray Mm -hmm. and love. And that's really it. Um, so now I'll expound so on So women, that did you bit. hear that? Pray and just, love. Just in. Oh, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> that's it. I've, I've, I've had the privilege of teaching um, 
five love language classes to airmen and soldiers who come back from some type of a deployment where they're reintegrating with their spouses after a prolonged absence. Mm-hmm. And marriage makes things really, really stable. Really, There's a stasis in marriage. You are probably not going to be the person who is most likely to argue your spouse against their will into a more active role in their faith. I love that. But what you say are, that again? Oh gosh, I don't know if I could. What did I say? Honestly, just repeat it. You're not going to argue uh, your spouse into doing more. Not going to be the person to do that. Yeah, the, the, the person. There might be other people to do that, but but you're probably right. not the person to do that. But men have very fragile egos. I've been married almost 20 years now. I still like it when my wife gives me the same compliment she gave me 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, for example, if your husband never takes out the trash, you don't nag him and say, take out the trash four times a day. The one time every four months he actually takes out the trash, <laughs> you say, honey, thank you for taking out the trash. I really appreciate you doing that for me. It's very helpful. Thank you. And now the husband yeah. gets that like inflated ego, like, yeah, yeah, I'm the trash guy, right? Well, why, if it works for the trash, why wouldn't it work for things of faith? Mm-hmm. So when your husband does show some type of interest, if he prays with you nightly, once in a while when you go to bed, hey, I really appreciate that you pray with us before we go to bed. If one time there's a funeral mass for somebody and he came to the mass, hey, thank you for coming to the mass and supporting me at that funeral. Really compliment yeah. those things that mm-hmm. he is doing and it might be really, really hard to find those things, but you have to actively look for them. And, and prayer is the other part of that. To, to, God's the one who's going to do that work. And my, my parents were divorced uh, when I was very, very young, and a big stumbling block for them was faith issues because mom was always trying to force dad into things. Mm-hmm. And, and if mom would have just loved my dad in those mm-hmm. moments more, mm-hmm. I think she'd have been far more mm-hmm. effective uh, and, and it would have been better in the long term for our family as well. Wow. Um, and, and I think if you do listen to the, the Ray Garendis and stuff on Catholic Radio, too, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. give you a very similar answer. Yeah, I would agree. Um, oftentimes, men, as, as Nathan said, while, while we want to project this machismo, this strong image, a lot of times there is a, a fragility to a man's ego. And honestly, um, feeling like I'm working for the Grand Inquisitor uh, doesn't inspire just a, a <laughs> you know a, a great noble quest. Um, but the the mm. fact that uh, when a woman a woman has a tremendous power in the heart and the mind of a man, uh, when he feels valued and loved and respected, especially by a woman, it inspires something that's already within his heart. And that's the thing is that we don't have you don't have to cook something up inside of your husband. There's something already there. God's already at work in every heart. Right, and and to to recognize those points where there's there's these little responses, um, I think is is incredibly powerful. I found that certainly in my own marriage, in the areas where I really needed to grow, the times when my wife Lisa would just kind of, um, as Nathan said, pray about it, but then also give me a sort of freedom in one sense to fail, uh, mm-hmm. was was really liberating for me because otherwise you feel like you're constantly being evaluated and and that shuts you down from really being open and who wants uh, to live like that yeah exactly and you know there's there was a great uh marriage you know everything there's been all these online uh conferences and summits since the early april and there was one here maybe a month ago uh joyful ever after marriage summit and i was kind of I wasn't sure whether I was going to sign up for this because I was just so virtualed out. But, 
but I did in the end, and I got the the extended pass. And there was a great presentation by uh, Matt uh, Ingold, and I forget what his wife's name is, honestly. But but they talked about this this dynamic, kind of what Nathan was was talking about, where he was Matt was always coming home late from work, and she would talk to him about this, and and she was feeling very unloved, you know, uncared for because. What she was expressing from her woman's heart is this is this is how I need to be loved, and he was disregarding it, you know, and, and he probably wasn't doing it intentionally. It's just like things would crop up, and and he wasn't able to prioritize that. And at one point, she realized that that she just needed to let go, and she had a conversation with him, and she said, "Matt, it's really important to me that you come home from work, but I'm not going to get upset anymore. Hmm. You know, it's it's on you. You know, I'm gonna I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to." respect you and embrace you but this is really important to me but this is the last time i'm talking about it and well, he's, she, treating him with dignity yes absolutely and he said that was the thing that he needed to really uh to click on the light and to be able to equip him to make that choice instead of responding to my boss you know instead of trying to you know fill the requirements as as basically as i possibly can so i won't get in trouble mm-hmm. um it inspired a husband's heart and I think there's something profound about that. I think that, that uh, you know, as, as you'd mentioned, Heather, that, that there can be a tendency to think that I need to make this happen, right? Um, but the reality is that the Lord God is the one who makes it happen. And I, I, there's one instance in, in our own marriage where, um, you know, I've been a big a fantasy football guy for many years, and I, I loved doing it. I loved all the scheming and the plotting and, and <laughs> analyzing the players and seeing who I can make trades for and, and all this. And I would, I would do pretty well at it. And I would, uh, you know, I would usually be in the, the finals or the semifinals. And I had a couple different leagues going on. And, um, and Lisa had expressed to me how she didn't like the time I was taking working on this and um, doing, listening to podcasts and all that stuff. Um, and so I tried to I tried to change it so that I would just do it. I get up early in the morning before she and the kids were up, and I'd work on my stuff there. And then I just listened to my podcast all day on Saturday when I was working around the house. I was still like, in many ways, I was kind of mentally checked out, you know, because I'd, I'd be thinking about this even when I wasn't actively working on it. And she decided at one point that it just was causing friction because I was feeling like, you know, I, I'm not allowed to have a pastime here. You know, what, who are you to say that I can't have a pastime? There's nothing harmful about this. At least I'm not out drinking with the boys, which is often the, the low bar, right, that we <laughs> set for ourselves. Um, and so she just, she gave up on it and she handed it over to the Lord. And um, the Lord, in my own prayer time, he kind of convicted me that I was too mentally occupied. And so he convicted me that I needed to give this up. And I remember telling her one day, you know, I like, I've decided that, uh, you know, we're, we're in the last week of the season. I'm not going to be doing it again next week. I'm going to have someone else be the general manager or the commissioner for our league, and, and I'm going to just retire. And she just about fell over and uh, just didn't even know what she was hearing. But there was something beautiful about that act of trusting that God really does care. And, and then her giving that freedom to me to not be upset every time I have some, I'm listening, but just showing love and respect inspired me to, to have new eyes, a new willingness to look at this and realize, okay, there's this thing that I like to do, but there's also this person that I really love mm. right next to me. And I, I, when I'm not in this combative mode, so constantly I can actually begin to see that again. Oh, yeah, there's, there's this person that I love that I've chosen to spend my life with that I want to honor and reverence. Um, and it allowed me to kind of look anew. And so I think there's really a, a, lot, of, a, a lot of subtle a brilliance about that ability to love and to pray, but to also show respect and dignity in, in all of it. Yeah, so, absolutely. okay, 
in the terms of men's ministry mm -hmm. in that realm now, I'd like to, to finish up the rest of our God, fleeting time with you guys <laughs> is, is to give us some experiences that you're seeing out there of forming men's ministries within the diocese or within your, your parishes and the uh, realm of influence. That's, that's kind of booming from, from what, I, what I'm observing. What would you guys say? Uh, well, I, I definitely think that's true. Um, I think there's definitely the acknowledgement there is a need. Mm -hmm. um, I work a really odd schedule. My schedule shifts times every 28 days. Uh, so it's hard for me to do that sort of thing. Um, but uh, two, two years ago, the Knights of Columbus Council supported me in doing a Father-Son Day uh, that we did at Shanley High School here in town. Uh, we were going to do that again, then my mom passed away, and then we had COVID. So I'm not sure when the next time we're going to do that again <laughs> is. But you fill the gap where you, there is a gap and the gap that you can fill, right? It's not my job. God's not calling me to fill Brad's gap. He's not calling me to fill your gap, Deacon. He's calling me to fill my gap. And uh, God is calling all of us to do something. Um, and, and that was one way that was really simple. I got a lot of support from the Shanley staff and the chaplain there I was very grateful for. And we had about 40 men or so. Even brought in my Baptist pastor friend to tell the kids about Jesus. <laughs> um, and, and so in our own parish, we definitely have things. It just, it's harder for me to see with my work schedule changing so often. But we have um, a deacon candidate who started a men's group at the parish that I'm at. Um, uh, lo lo lots of people are doing good things, I guess, is what I'm trying to yeah. say. I would, and I would add, uh, Nathan and I are both part of a leadership team for the Made for Greatness uh, men's ministry here in the Diocese of Fargo. And it's something that emerged out of a men's conference we had back in 2016, uh, where we realized that, you know, there, there's a great power in a men's conference of calling men on and inspiring them to, to, to reset the way that they're looking at their lives. But um, a one-time event like that, oftentimes the, the results um, begin to dwindle, you know, as they as you get further and further removed. So we realized there's a need to try to help cultivate ongoing support for that. And so we've been working for the last uh, several years to develop a, a diocesan men's ministry that will equip men to really uh, claim their masculine dignity and then to be able to share that with others. You know, it's first and foremost, their, their wives, their children, but other men as well to, to really uh, cultivate a, a spirit of brotherhood, but especially one that's, that's born out of a conviction, a deep um, conviction that I am a beloved son of God no matter what. And I think that's something that men struggle with is this understanding that I don't achieve my dignity. I don't earn it. It just is. Mm -hmm. And God loves me. And it really blows the doors off my ability then to respond if I'm not yeah. so, caught it changes with, you. so caught up with trying to earn my dignity. Yeah, that's the flip side of conquering, right? Right. We've got to conquer, we've got to conquer this... Uh, this 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 love of God, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's just and being false. loved by God. I mean, that's yeah. that's one of the things that's oftentimes very hard to assimilate. That I really am loved, and earning His mercy, mm -hmm. and, and that's not just the case at all. Hmm. Made for greatness, made for greatness. Yeah. Well, and there are some great ministries out there. Um, and we're out of time this morning already with uh, Brad Gray and Nathan Sather. Thank you so much for sharing those ministries with us. Thanks for having yep, us. Thank you. It was, a, it was an honor and a pleasure. And it was all mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm going to do a shout out um, for people to, if it, in your local areas, to search out some of these men's ministries. Mm -hmm. That Man Is You is one of them. Curcio is another one. And then what was your group called? 
Made for greatness. Made for greatness. So oh. check those out. There's stuff out there. There is. All right. Mm-hmm. So and if there's not, come- start it. Absolutely. And I think that's the Holy Spirit Amen. kicking us in the keister to say, "Hey." <laughs> and sometimes it's through the through our spouses, but we're called we're called to do this, and we yeah. can and and do it together. Yep. Amen. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thanks Thank you for having us. All right. All right. We're going to take another quick break when we come back. Newly ordained during COVID-19. We're going to have a discussion about how all that went down. So stick with us. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence 